The Stolen Maniple Podcast is a production of St. Augustine of Canterbury Church, a Roman Catholic community of the personal ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, serving San Diego County, California. This episode features Father Samuel Keyes. We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. I start with this slightly different translation, uh, both the RSV, which we use, and the New American Bible uh, have the word servant, not slave. Um, they also say profitable uh, or unprofitable as opposed to worthless. Uh, but I want to emphasize what is maybe the most difficult part of this passage. In 21st century America, after all of our history, we might be taken aback by a story in which slavery or, or even just menial servitude is mentioned in a positive light, much less a story whose model character is basically a slave who, quote unquote, knows his place. The slave, having worked hard day, a hard day in the field, comes into the house and rather than going straight to the meal, is expected to serve the master first before taking a break. Now, we can you know, lessen the sting of the story a little bit by making some qualifications about slavery in the first century Roman world. First, it was not the racial chattel slavery we know from modern American history. In other words, to be a slave in the first century did not imply that you were somehow less than human. Second, slaves in wealthy households often held positions of great authority and respect. People actually aspired to such positions. For many of Jesus's hearers, the idea of being an important slave was in some ways a large step up in social and economic terms. Okay, fair enough, you might say, but what's the point? Even without the lens of, of modern Western history, Jesus's story remains a little challenging, doesn't it? Because in the end, the message is pretty clear. Know your place. Know that you're just a servant. And even putting aside anything we might want to say about equality, liberation, individual freedom, and all the other ways that this message goads our contemporary sensibilities, it, it's just hard to hear in basic human terms. As human beings, we don't want to know our place. Right? We want to do as we like. We sure as heck don't want to be slaves. We want to be free. We are wrong. I know this is a difficult thing to say, and I know that as a citizen of this country and a modern enlightened person, I'm supposed to say that individual freedom is the greatest thing ever, and that come hell or high water, give me liberty or give me death, here I stand, I can do no other, and various and sundry other sentiments of self-determination. Jesus isn't interested in that. He wants faith, and he wants service, and slavery to him is the only true freedom. Let's just think about that seriously for a moment. Why is it, I wonder, that we find slavery to someone else so objectionable? It's not actually a very hard question. Slavery is objectionable morally, experientially, for, for a very simple reason. Human beings do not make good masters. Even the best master can be abusive, manipulative, selfish. In a, in a slave economy, even the best master, the kindest master, operates in a system based on this one foundational problem, the conversion of human life to commodity, to financial value. 
And that is a horrific thing, whether in the first century or today, because human life is, is much more than that. Human life is mysterious, transcendent, beautiful. No one, however great, is trustworthy enough to own that life in its fullness, to spend it in a way that squanders its power. It is far too valuable, far too wonderful to be subjected to the whims of someone who may use it for some lesser end. But what if, just for the sake of argument, we, we could find the perfect master? It's hard to imagine. I know the, the, the perfect master would, would use his slaves in a way that, that heightened rather than squandered their dignity. Slaves of the perfect master would, would feel not coerced and oppressed, but free to do what makes them happy. Being owned would be less a burden than a liberation from burdens. You know, we're told all the time in this country that freedom isn't free. And this is obviously true when it comes to our particular civil freedoms. They have to be defended and held at great cost, as we have seen over and over again in the wars of the last century. But is such freedom the best there is? Is it really so possible to imagine the fullest possible freedom, which includes the freedom from constantly having to negotiate and purchase one's freedom. The truest freedom, the perfect freedom, the final freedom, can only exist as the perfect gift from a master whose freedom and authority is absolute. But how would we know such a master? How, how would we trust him? He would have to persuade us somehow that his intentions are pure. He would have to persuade us that, that his desire to own us is not just a bigger, more maniacal version of the hu normal human desire to rule, that human thirst for power and control. He would have to persuade us that his desire to own us is actually of no benefit to him at all. Perhaps even that his desire to own us is in some way against his interests, even to the point of his own life, his own dignity, his own freedom. Maybe you can see where I'm going with this. The God of Jesus Christ is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy, and he shows us this in the most dramatic and persuasive way on the cross. He's not in it for himself. He's in it for us. He's not out to control us in a selfish way. He's not out to manipulate us for his own interests. He gains nothing. In fact, he loses everything. He sacrifices his human freedom. And in his broken life, his slavery to the consequences of human evil, we begin to see the possibility that maybe this God-man in asking for our faith and service, isn't asking us for us to give up our dignity and our will, our individuality and our freedom. He wants to save it. He wants to save it all. He wants us to be really and truly free. And actually, that's what faith is. Freedom that comes from trust. We tend to think of faith as something in our heads, a question of believing this or that thing is true, and that is one type of faith, which we'll recount in the creed in a moment. But the faith that Jesus speaks of here in Luke 
the faith that can move mountains, or as he puts it in this passage, uh, I think he said sycamine trees, in other translations it's mulberry bushes. Right? It's the life of freedom based on trust in a perfect master. We can glimpse it maybe in the, the innocent, absolute, and yet completely rational trust of a child leaping from a high place into his father's arms. Faith is the willingness to follow this strange crucified God away from all the other things clamoring for our allegiance and into the future of God's kingdom. Know your place. Know that you're just a slave. If we're talking about a human master, those words are chilling, oppressive, evil. But with God, they are the most beautiful, liberating words in the world. And we need to hear those words. We forget who we belong to. You belong to God, which means you don't belong to your family. You don't belong to your friends. You don't belong to your career. You don't belong to your country. You don't even belong to yourself. It's so easy to be enslaved by all those other things. I'm not going to say that none of those things matter. Of course they matter, but they don't have anything to do with who you are. You belong to God and you are free because God loves you, not because of how successful you were at managing your own tiny moment of history. And if you can accept that now and live in the confidence of that knowledge, Jesus says you can move mountains. You can move the inner mountains of the soul and become the saint you were created to be. And you can move the external mountains of this life, whatever those are, and show the world God's saving power. As St. Paul writes in 2 Timothy today, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stolen Maniple podcast. For more information on our church and upcoming events, please visit Augustine of Canterbury.org and don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes.